Welcome to the Beacon Church Podcast. Each week we post a sermon from our last Sunday service so you can catch up, review, or share with your friends. We pray as you listen to this week's episode, you're encouraged and equipped to love God, love people, grow in Christ, and serve the world. I was here this morning when the person doing the run-through did not recognize the Lionel Richie reference. I too was disappointed, and I had promised I will talk to Logan about it later. Uh, anyway, uh, good morning. So glad uh, that you are here for our uh, pancake breakfast. So it's, uh, it's weird um, how sometimes just little things seem to uh, create such a big impact. And so I was thinking about this recently. We'd gotten some stories about things that had been happening in the church and uh, things that have been going on. And I found it weird that, the, that there's such an amazing impact that a snowblower and a couple of Christians can have on the fame of Jesus Christ. It's just that you put all those things in a bag and you shake them all up and it doesn't seem like much can come from it, and yet it does. When a couple of guys decide that they're going to uh, clear someone's driveway and those folks turn around and think, wow, like this is, you know, this is the way that the world ought to work. Like people looking out for each other, caring for each other. I even know of some folks that have gone in and purchased snowblowers together, not because they needed them for their properties, but because they knew their neighbor's properties needed them. And so they've gone in and they've split the cost and they've shared the work uh, to help entire streets and neighborhoods uh, when the snows come. And I thought, you know, what a, what a beautiful and simple example of how in doing something like that in the name of your Savior can make the fame, the glory, the reputation of Jesus uh, more beautifully and, and, and more completely known in our neighborhood. And there are so many stories like that. A while back, there was a woman who had had, uh, she'd lived a, a very hard life, harder than most people could imagine. And she had a neighbor who happened to be a person who comes here, a family that comes here to Beacon. And they relationally reached out and connected with this woman, and the woman ended up getting folded into the Beacon family. And uh, within a short period of time, uh, she ended up uh, getting sick and she died. And a group of people here uh, at Beacon made certain that they would uh, send her into glory with a celebration, a memorial, with snacks and with a ceremony and with prayers and with the encouragement to each other. And dozens of people participated in a send-off for a woman that society had mostly forgotten about. Older man in the church has kept... Uh, an older man has kept the church at arm's length and uh, has been in the orbit of Beacon for about a decade and a half, really, since the very beginning. And with a handful of people who are caring for him and making certain to help out when their time and talent and treasure can help and support him and his family... 
he, he says now that he's never uh, ha- been so impressed with what is going on here and in the lives of the people here. These are strangers to him. And they help out and they reach out and serve in such concrete ways. So these and countless other stories, I mean, we, we could do this all day long. These are Christians who are living out the mission that Jesus called us to. That's all it is. It, it isn't exceptional even. It's simply Christians fulfilling their calling, doing what it is that they were called by Jesus to do. So 2,000 years ago, Jesus crashes onto the scene, he, and he turns the world upside down within a few hundred years Whole societies, whole communities, and even governmental structures, organizations, nations, things are being transformed because of the work that Jesus did, the life he lived, the death he died, the resurrection power that he brought, and because of the community of people that he left behind to finish the work. The world transformed. And he announced when he crashes on the scene that he is on a mission from God. And when we listen to his teaching and when we watch his actions, we get to see some of the ways that he pursued his mission. We get to recognize that he was representing God in this world. He represented God. He represented God's interests. And he did this by reaching people who were far from God. He did this by helping people who were hurting. He did this by loving all people in such crazy sacrificial ways that people would stop and they would take notice. And this is what Jesus did all the time. All the time. And this is what his people are called to do as well. So before we go and eat pancakes and then slip into a sugar coma, I want us to consider what the early church was busy doing shortly after Jesus told them to go into the world and finish the job that he had started. And and the best example that we have in the scriptures, or one of the top examples of this uh, in summary form, is found in Acts chapter 2. And so just kind of get the sense of this. It's Acts chapter 2, which means it's right after the time that that Jesus was uh, buried. He was crucified, buried. He He rose again. He hung out with his disciples for just a short period of time. And then he ascended into heaven. And then they went out and they started the mission. That mission is recorded in the book of Acts. And it's Acts chapter 2. So this is a picture of what the early church looked like right in those crucial years, right after, months and years, right after Jesus ascended to heaven and told his disciples to get going, doing what they were supposed to be doing. So it's Acts chapter 2. They devoted themselves to, this is they, that's they, us, that's you, you, this is you. That you devoted, uh, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being 
saved. And so you want to get a snapshot as to what the early Christians were all about. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now, the apostles taught. This is the letters of the New Testament. It's the preaching of the early church, and it's also their emphasis on the fulfillment of the Old Testament. So this is the scriptures that the people have devoted themselves to. And so in, in relationship to the scriptures, they devoted themselves to it. They submitted themselves to the teachings of the scriptures. You, you could say that if you wanted to kind of give this other language, you could say that they were committed to growing in Christ. Growing in Christ. You're going to keep that, that one there in, in your head. But there was more than that. It also says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread. And we talked about this last week with the First Holy Communion. Breaking of bread, it is the, it's the Lord's table, and it's even more than that. There's a, there's a, a shared life component to this breaking of bread. In the ancient Near East, sharing a meal with someone was extremely important and a particularly intimate experience. And to prayer, and it says, every day they continue to meet together in the temple courts, praising God. So, so teaching and, and sharing life together at the Lord's table and, and prayer and praising God. And so in relationship to God, you could say, that, that they were worshipers of God. They were learning, they were growing, they were worshiping, they were praying. We, let, we know later they were singing these songs, the hymns, and, and even early Christian hymns. This is what the early Christians did. And so in relation to God, you could say that they were learning how to love God more fully and completely. But it goes on, he says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship. This is a great, this is kind of a beautiful picture because this idea of fellowship is, is the shared life experience that happened between the early Jesus followers. So you became part of this community of faith. You became part of this spiritual family fellowship. It's not like, you know, like just fellowship hour. Some of us grew up with a, in a church where we had like the fellowship hour. Uh, and that was usually like where they had like, uh, like coffee and a couple of crumpets or something like that. Uh, and so in some churches, they don't even do a fellowship hour. The closest they have is like the passing of the peace. And they do like signs and stuff like that. And like that's the closest thing we get to fellowship. But like, you know, they committed themselves to each other, to shared life together to the breaking of bread and to prayer and they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts you could see this as them committing to love people all around them and to fold them into family and to get past this idea that we're individual strangers in this world but instead to have arms wide open and fold people in to our community of faith and to love them in increasingly concrete ways. But it goes on though. It says, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. So this is an interesting phrase because it's not the people of the church that they're talking about anymore. They were enjoying the favor of all the people outside of the church community. So the early church was birthed in Jerusalem. And so... You're, you have an environment that's filled with all sorts of different people. You have Romans there, Greek Gentile background. You have these Hellenistic Jews. You have very, very devout religious Jews. And of course, most all of the early church was all Jewish. And they, were, they had decided that Jesus was in fact their Messiah. And so they began this Jesus movement following the, the Jewish Messiah. And, and that's who all of these other people were. 
it was priests and it was, it was workers in the temple, but it was also just regular business people who were traveling to this fantastic city of Jerusalem from around the Roman Empire. And it was Roman centurions and it was people who were supporting the Roman legions. And, it was, and, and so it was this eclectic cosmopolitan sort of grouping of people from, from secular people to religious people and, and everyone in between, the sinners and the saints, so to speak, And the people of God, the early Christians, they were enjoying the favor of all the people. And so people would come and they would get to know a Christian and they would get to know the Christian community and they would see what the Christian family was all about and the sacrifices that they were willing to make and the people, the favor, all of the people looked at them and they said, what is going on? These these are, these are amazing people. Our favor rests upon them. We are favorably disposed toward them. And of course, because of that, the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. From a Christian perspective, that's such an important part of the whole story because now people were were turning away from their rebellious and their sinful ways and they were turning toward a God who desperately loved them because of the community of people that they had come into contact with. And every day, God just kept adding more and more people who were awakening, who were being spiritually reborn. And God is saying, listen, every day, we're going to be adding people into this family. You could say that they were committing themselves to serve the world in the way the world most Needs it now. Of course, if you're kind of paying attention to what I'm, where I'm heading with this, is that that is our spiritual. For, that was tricky, right? You guys didn't catch that. I, I'm so clever. Uh, so look, we talk about this, right? Love God, love people, grow in Christ, serve the world. We didn't make this up. This is what the early church did. We just repackaged it for you guys today. For us as a church, we've just said, we call it the spiritual formation pathway. And sometimes we'll, we'll show kind of our strategy to some other like churches and leaders. And they're like, wow, this is some really good stuff. You guys ever think about like packaging this and putting it together like a church growth? And we're like, it is Jesus' church growth method. It's in Acts 2. Like we, we just, we barely, we barely even edited it. Like we're, we're talking about how do we love God and how do we love each other. And then we want to all grow in Christ devoted to the, the teaching of the apostles. And we're going to go serve the world looks like Acts chapter 2 and the whole of the New Testament wraps around this idea that we can become followers of Jesus. We put this in the middle and it has this funny kind of language to it, but we've chosen it very carefully because we are a group of people on mission to make more and more disciples of Jesus so that the Lord can add to our number daily those who are being saved. And not to the number of people here sitting here at Beacon, but to the number of people who are entering into the kingdom of God who are being called out of darkness and into light so that they might follow their Savior. Let me reframe this just a little bit and look at it from a slightly different angle. When you, when you study the life of Jesus, we find out that he was determined to expand God's kingdom on earth. That's, that's what he was all about. He, his message started that way. His message ended that way. And when you ask yourself, well, how is it that Jesus went about going to do this? We look at a couple of the ways he's already done it, kind of the strategies that the early church followed, you might even call it. 
But we really find out it really boils down to this. Jesus decided to do it through y'all, through you all, all of you. We need a plural that doesn't sound like you're a heck. But y'all are now a part of this thing. That's how Jesus actually decided to do it. He said that he was going to do it through all of us, but all of us together. Now think about that. He didn't have to do it that way. He could have created a strategy where we all went out as kind of lone ranger Christians in the world and we all just kind of did our thing apart from everyone else. And as soon as other people joined you, you kind of kicked them out of of your tiny little nest and world and you sent them on their own to do it as well. And Jesus is like, no, 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 no. I'm actually birthing a community of people, a spiritual family who are going to do this thing together. So you might think of it like this. Jesus gave you a community, and he gave you two, a community. So he gave you a community. Let, consider this for just a moment. I, I can't possibly recount the thousands of ways our church family looks out for each other. I, I couldn't possibly, notes and texts and calls and meals and prayers, they fly about in this like hive of uh, of. Uh, encouragement and support in compassion. We recently had some friends, maybe you guys know the Canetas, and uh, they had recently moved down south. And they'd been a part of the community for some time. They came to faith, learned to love Jesus and each other here, uh, and grew in all of these beautiful ways and impacted many of our lives. And then they moved down south because they're actually wicked, evil evil people. No, I'm just kidding. We love them. And if you're watching, guys, we do miss you already. But the point is, when when they were recounting to us the impact that you have all had on their lives and on their kids, it was unbelievable. It was just making us cry here and all of the ways that they recognized that that the Jesus community changed their lives. But if we, they, they gave God gave them, they gave us to them. But of course, many of you have been impacted by them. Many of you don't even realize how you've been impacted. How many of your kids have been impacted and how many of the teens have been impacted and, and how many marriages have been encouraged and how many people have been folded into their, their orbit. Just recently, one of their neighbors from town, we were having a going away party, and I got to know one of their neighbors and they were just talking about their friends, the Canetas, and I was like, man, just an impact on people all around. And I got a fishing partner out of it. So there. Uh, and so this is so, this is, and so you like, this is a key part. God, he gave you a community. Now, some of you might be like, yeah, I don't really need a community. I'm kind of good on my own. And even if, let's assume for a minute that's true. It's actually probably not true, but let's assume all is good. Let's say everything's working great in your life. Everything's functioning perfect right now, uh, or so you think. And, and, and so you're just, I don't really need a community. Fine. But, but a community needs you. It's who you were made to be. It's, it's, about, it's more than even about significance and meaning and purpose. All of that is true. But it's, it's about who you were created by God to be in this world. It's the mission that Jesus gave you to go out and to complete the work that he started. You have been given to a community. 
You know, we had a the, the, we had some stories uh, roll in this week about things that are going on, and and uh, the parishes and our small groups work with our Alpha ministry, and so Alpha is a way for people who are kind of exploring Christianity to check things out and figure it out and get their questions answered. And our small groups partner with Alpha. And so they come out, they sponsor the dinner, they pay for the dinner, they bring the dinner, they, and they also hang out with the Alpha attendees, which means any person who comes through Alpha, a number of which who will actually find Jesus in Alpha, people right here in this room because of Alpha have come to know Jesus as their Savior and they have, they have committed themselves to following and serving him, you have participated in that with them. Quite literally, our small groups have made that environment, have created that environment where people can come to know and to love their Savior. That's so unbelievable. You're going to get to heaven. You're going to meet people. They want to, you don't even know who they are. You're going to be like, I think I sort of recognize you from kicking around church. They're going to be like, yeah, you were my Alpha. You sponsored Alpha one time, and it was that day I decided I got baptized after that, and my whole life turned around. And You're a part of that. Because you have been given to a community. We have stories. I got pictures even. They sent me pictures. This is like the coolest thing. They sent me a bunch of pictures. Some of our groups, they get out there in the community and they do things like they do big old events for Thanksgiving and they, they pack boxes and meals and then there was a hot cocoa drive where they collected coats and clothing and all that. And so you have this little, this little Jesus community of people in their neighborhood encouraging and helping their neighborhood to be generous so that other people who don't even live in their neighborhoods can be warm in the winter and can be fed. And you look at these pictures and you go, this is the Jesus community. It's the Jesus community. It is great for you to come to church. The early church went to the temple. It's great to worship as a group. The early church did that as well. And it's also really great for you to be connected in these smaller communities, house to house, neighborhood by neighborhood, to share life together and to impact your community. And when you do these things, when you love God and each other, and when you serve the world as a community, people will take notice. People will take notice and more and more people will want in on that gig as the Lord adds to their number daily those who were being saved. So what is it? What are these parishes that we keep talking about and why we're having the parish pancake breakfast and all of that? What is it? Well, here's the reality. Simply put, we, dis- we develop the parish ministry in order to, do, well, really to do what we always create any sort of initiative or ministry to do, is, and that is to push the mission of Jesus deeper into our neighborhoods. That, that, was the, that was the whole idea, the whole kit and caboodle, everything behind it. It was all about pushing the mission of Jesus deeper into our neighborhoods. And really, there were a couple of major ideas that, that rose to the forefront as we were thinking about it. And one of them was this idea of equipping. We needed a generation, another generation of leaders who would be able to handle the weight and the responsibility of a growing ministry and responsibilities that we hadn't even yet known what they might be. So we just knew we needed, a, a, we needed to equip an increasing number of people. And we needed to reduce the span of care that people would be responsible for. We needed to reduce the span of care because we would notice that as churches get larger and busier, 
a whole lot of things start to get missed or dropped. Too few carrying too much weight. So we, needed, we knew we needed to create a pipeline of leaders that would help to lead and love our congregation, and we knew that we needed lots of them because as the church grows, we need more and more people to carry the work. So address, to address the equipping need, we created the Pastoral Leadership Incubator, which really amounts to about a two-year training program that current and future uh, care pastors, our parish care pastors, and other leaders at the church participate in. And the goal of this was to create the best equipped and trained leaders that we could generate here at the church. And so we committed ourselves to that, and they committed themselves to that, and we are now in our third cohort. So our third group of leaders are currently being trained. Um, they're in year one, and we have seen a, a great group of people get equipped through this process, many of whom are sitting here in the room with us today. And our first crop came out as our associate pastors of care, and that is where we address the issue of the span of care. So we created geographically based parishes or neighborhoods, that's where the, the language comes from, with about 100 or so of our congregants in each of the geographic region. And the idea behind this was fairly straightforward. In each of these regions, if we have 100 or 150 people, how is it that as a church grows larger, it can also grow smaller? Because as a church grows and ministries get more complex, it is vital that more leaders are brought in to organize and lead the ministries. We actually see this in a couple chapters in the book of Acts. So the apostles are doing their thing, and bam, 3,000 people were added. And then bam, 5,000 people were added. And all of a sudden, the disciples are like, there's a lot of people. Lots going on. Oh, yeah, we're, we forgot to feed the widows this week. That's a problem. And so they, they gathered up the church, and they're like, we, got, we, got, we need more folks. And so they, 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 they selected, they picked this great group of folks, the early deacons of the church, and they said, you guys got to go help us feed the widows because, like, they're not getting fed. Like, we're not getting it done. And so they turn around, and they do that exact thing. And you see this. As a church gets larger, it has to get smaller. As, as the Jesus community begins to, to reach more and more people, it must become intentionally smaller. And that's the idea behind the parishes. The goal for us is to create these smaller communities, these little groups of fellowshipping people, people who are sharing life together, house to house, neighborhood by neighborhood, where Christians can experience and practice the principles of the kingdom of God. That is what we are seeking to accomplish. And we will know that we have succeeded when we have the absolute best pastoral care that a local church can offer anywhere. That's how we will know that we've succeeded. When that marker comes, when that day happens and we are well on our way toward that, we will say we have done, we have, we have accomplished what we set out to do. We will know that we have succeeded when our congregation is genuinely loved and cared for better than it has ever been and even better than we could have expected. We will know that we had succeeded in this. And we will know that we have succeeded when our neighborhoods 
increasingly feel the love of Jesus because of you. When you have your stories, when you can share with your spiritual family, when you can talk about how it is that you have been used in your community, in your neighborhood, from people who, who are, are here at Beacon and for neighbors who would never step foot in the church to people who are super far from God, when, when the love of Jesus is being felt and experienced by them through you, we will know that we have succeeded. And we will know that we have participated in the mission of Jesus when more and more people come to know and to love him as Savior. As we enjoy the favor of the people and God adds to the number in the kingdom of those who are being saved. All right, so how is it that you can be a part of it? Well, I want to encourage you. If you have not yet taken that step toward relating to your parish, to a small group, to a group of Christians who live near you, we want you to do that today. And so that's why we've set up the area out there in uh, according to parish. And your name tag that you got when you came in or the first impressions folks who are out there, Kelly and her team, they will help you find the area. Now, I know the temptation is to go and sit only with the people that you already know. Or to, We're encouraging you to step a little bit outside of your comfort zone today and get to know the people who are in your parish. Parishes are determined by your small group affiliation, and if you're not in a small group, by your zip code. And so we have that whole list for you. We can, you don't have to worry about which one am I in. We should have already printed on your tag and we're going to get you settled out there. The, the real trick is going to be for the red and the orange group, just because the balloons look exactly the same. So good luck with that. I don't know how you're going to handle that one, but you're going to have to look at your tag and figure that one out. But apparently, who knew, Mylar balloons are identical. Get out there. Get to know some people in your parish. Get to know. Make sure you, you, you shake the hand of your care pastor or your parish pastor, whatever name we, that I'm supposed to be using that I keep forgetting, but the uh, associate pastors of care for your parishes. That's a little mouthful. But go make sure you see them and they know you and you know them and they've probably reached out to you already half a dozen or more times and they're going to be your first line of contact in all of life's tumultuous circumstances. So we also want to encourage you, use this opportunity, ask some people in that group what their small group experience is like. If they're in your parish and you're not yet in a small group, ask around. Say, hey, what is, our, what is a small group? What is it like in our parishes? Tell us a little bit about it. What's it like? What's life like in a small group? What if, what, how, how has it impacted you or your family? So ask people in your parish what it's like to be a part of the small group. And then, if you want to know how to be a part of it, commit yourselves to working together. If all of the people who call Beacon Church home, if each individual Beaconite, if every small group, if every small group leader, if every small group connect leader, if every associate pastor of care, if all of us together figure out how it is we can love each other and our neighborhoods more and better, then we will see the mission of God extend here throughout Long Island. We'll see it throughout our neighborhoods and we'll have story upon story upon story because we are meant to be in this together. This Jesus mission. And when people see and experience the love of Christ through us, they will increasingly want a piece of that action 
And it'll be because you have lived out the Jesus mission in your life. Would you stand as I end our time here with a prayer asking God to counter the calories that we are about to consume. Father, what we're asking for here, we we come together, we have a pancake breakfast, we have some fun, we want to get to know others, but Lord, this isn't because we're just a social group trying to have a little bit more fun here in the world, trying to burn some time that's left on our clock. But rather, Lord, you sent Jesus here to be God among us, Emmanuel, God with us. And you showed us what it was like to live sacrificially for people, and you modeled it all the way to the cross. And in the power of the resurrection, you have drawn people from every tribe and tongue and nation, from every neighborhood around the globe, throughout history. You have drawn people to yourself and you have chosen to do it through your people. Lord, we want to be those people. We want to be a part of the Jesus mission. I pray that our small efforts, even here this morning, an opportunity to get to know, to love each other a little better, to experience the the, 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 the little tastes of fellowship, of spiritual family. Lord, right here now today, I pray that you would put seeds in the hearts of people who have not yet decided to commit themselves to you or to each other, to their community. I pray, Lord, that you would put those seeds in there and here in the midst of the community of faith, those seeds would take root and they would begin to sprout and grow so that one day we can hear the stories of how they have borne much fruit in the world. I pray for each person here, Lord, our leaders, our small group leaders, and our, our small group connect leaders, and our alpha leaders, Father, and, all, and, and everybody who's participated in the incubator, and of course our associate pastors of care who have committed such a great deal of time and energy and resource, who have shared their compassion and their, their hearts so that others might come to know and to love you more. I pray for each and every one of them as well. Asking, Lord, that you would make them the women and the men that they need to be to play their part in the expansion of your kingdom here. We ask it all in the name of Jesus. And God's people said, amen. Thank you all and enjoy the pancakes. We only have about 25 pancakes, so the first 18 people get one. If you enjoyed the sermon, want to learn more about Jesus, or get to know our community, please visit beacon.church to get connected. We would love to hear from you.